If you came to the Bible Church today and some of what you just witnessed is a bit of a mystery to you still, you're not quite sure what all this means with the communion table and what Robin was sharing with us, the truths out of Romans 5 and being reconciled to a holy God. If, that, if some of that's still confusing to you or with the idea of a wonderful cross, and we don't normally think of that word being a wonderful thought, it's an instrument of death, but if, if all of that is, is just still kind of a mystery, don't leave today without asking someone in this church family, what does that mean? They will be glad to tell you. Come up and talk to me. I'll be glad to share with you what it means to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and your Lord and to be reconciled to Him forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Well, church family, let me invite you as we would worship the Lord through the study of His Word now to take your Bible and turn to the book of Genesis. First book in the Bible and Genesis chapter 1. You can't go any farther left in your Bible than that. Genesis chapter 1. If you need a Bible today, raise your hands. We can uh, supply you with one. We keep some in the back just for that purpose, so don't be shy. Raise your hand. Genesis chapter 1, and in your bulletin, if you don't know the drill, there is a little note page that uh, we provide also for you that will be a help for you along the way. And we launched a brand new study series last Sunday, if you were able to be with us, and in this series, which we're going to carry all the way through the fall and into the holiday season, is dedicated to exploring uh, in some depth together many of the incredible, amazing names that God goes by, names that he has taken for himself and which appear on the pages of Scripture. By some counts, more than a 100 different names that God goes by, and we're going to be looking at some of those. So our series, as you can see that on your note page, is titled God, and underneath that in parentheses, also known as... Today, for us, it will be God, also known as Elohim. Yes, and if you have been a Christian and around church circles for a while, this is not a name that would be new to you, I don't think. But it is a name that I am surely uh, eager to unpack and share together with you. Before that, though, let's not overlook the subtitle to our series, which is Strength from His Names for Life's Toughest Stuff. And And this is an important part of this series, realizing and learning that the names that God chooses to reveal himself to us by were often names that he gave to his people when they were facing really tough, really desperate, dangerous, fear-filled issues and threats in their life. He would give them a name that would reveal some part of his nature or his character, and they could use that name to help carry them through that difficult time. God would be saying by these names, man, I've got this, or, or I'm big enough for that, or you can trust me with this, and, and just remember my name, and that will be a help to you. To say it another way, the, the goal of this series isn't just to turn us into walking theological dic- dictionaries of God's names. That would really not come to, I don't think, a very fruitful end. Really, the goal is to discover how God by his names, enters into our lives and makes a difference, a real difference, as we trust him for who he is as revealed by a particular name. And so once again, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment with us with our Bibles open on our laps or 
or iPhone or iPad, whatever we're using today, we invite you in to this time. And we ask you to reveal your name to us, this amazing name that you've taken to yourself called Elohim. Amen and amen. A humorous story is told years ago, an ad appeared in a little Midwest newspaper, and it was placed there by someone who had lost their dog. Here's how the ad read. Brown fur, some missing due to mange. Blind in left eye, ran into a barbed wire fence. Missing right ear, caught in electrical fan. Death, too many fireworks one fourth of July. Only three legs, hit by a car. Accidentally neutered by the vet. Paperwork snafu. <laughs> Goes by the name of Lucky. <laughs> Oh, man. Sometimes names just don't fit what they're attached to. Agreed? This name does not work for this poor dog. This dog should have the name Murphy. Really? Murphy, as in Murphy's Law. Because if something bad could happen, apparently it happened to that dog. But, you know, that is never true of God and his names. His names always fit perfectly always work exquisitely because he chose those names for himself. They are his names given to himself by himself. By them, he perfectly reveals to us his nature, his character, his essence, his promises, his might, and his power. And he desires for us to know these names and to know him personally through these names. A verse that we looked at last week when we introduced the series is Isaiah 52.6. We put it up on the screen for you. It reads like this. But I will reveal my name to my people and they will come to know its what? Its power. My name has power. And we would say for life's toughest stuff. So let's take God at his word, believe him for that, and and step into the first of, of what will be many Many amazing names that he has. And the very first name that God reveals to us in the Bible is his name, Elohim. It's a name that will appear more than 2,500 times, making it one of God's favorite names. He'll often add this name to other names and use them in combination to disclose even more features about his person. This is the name, Elohim is the name that we render into English as the word God, capital G-O-D. So anytime in your Bible when you see the, the, the name God, well, then you already know that this is the Hebrew word Elohim. We're introduced to this name for the very first time in the very first verse of the very first book of the Bible, the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Are you there with me? Right? Yeah, Genesis 1.1. How does it read? In the beginning, God, in the beginning, Elohim created the heavens and the earth. This one line, just 10 words in length, describing the beginning of time and the coming into existence of all that we know, all that is in the physical material realm, the realm that you and I can, can see and touch, this name reveals a staggering amount about the nature and the character of God. Genesis 1.1 is God's personal introduction. 
It's his prelude to all that is going to come after this. It's the first impression of himself that he offers up to us. God says, in effect, hello, I'm Elohim. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. First impressions, as we all know, are often lasting impressions. So why would God choose to introduce himself to us by this name, by by Elohim, with perhaps more than a hundred possible choices at his discretion? Why this name? Well, I will tell you in advance that that there's really only one answer to that question, and that is that God desires to establish right at the very beginning that there is no one and there is no thing greater than him that we can know, that we can experience, that we can look to, call out to, believe in, trust in, desire. He is it. He is the one all-powerful God. Any place we look, any direction we turn other than him will bring us to something less than him because he is Elohim. He identifies himself as Elohim 35 times as the Bible opens. It's the only name used for God from verse 1 of chapter 1 all the way over to chapter 2 and verse 3. Other names will come along and he'll make himself known by those, but Elohim is emphasized here at the very beginning of the Bible. And again, there is only one explanation for this. He wants us to understand and know him as the creator, strong, powerful, and infinitely more, infinitely other than anything or anyone else that is. Now, the way that he establishes this for us is by linking his name, Elohim, which literally means strong one, to his role, which is, In verse 1, the creator, right? You notice he links his name to that that action. Not a creator, but the creator. Elohim, the creator. In the beginning, Elohim created. Now this term created is only used of God in the Bible. It's never used of mankind. It's never used of humanity. And the reason for that is because all that... Mere finite creatures like like us can do is take what already exists and we can modify it, we can manipulate it, we can refine it, we can mold it if we want to, reform it in some way. But no person has ever created something from nothing. We don't have what it takes for that. And that's the point. We lack the power, we lack the capacity, we lack the ingenuity the intelligence to create something from nothing. But God, on the other hand, as Elohim, creates from nothing. Does that make him powerful? At the very least, it makes him powerful. In fact, the Holy Spirit gives us a little bit of additional insight into Genesis 1.1 when the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament describes Elohim's creative action this way. We'll put it up on the screen, but it's also on your page Hebrews 11, verse 3. How does it read? By faith, we understand that the universe, that is, all that we know, everything that exists in the material, physical realm, all that we know was created by the what? 
by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. How strong and powerful is our God? Well, he created the universe from nothing but himself. In fact, God didn't even need to use his hands to create. His words were enough, created by the word of God. All God had to do was to speak the universe, the universe, into existence and into order, and it happens. You know, I don't have very many inventors in my circle of friends. Do you? Probably not. But I do have one. I have one inventor friend in my circle. Our brother Ralph Hetcher, right? Part of our church family. Uh, he would be an inventor. If you know Ralph at all, you know he is an inventor. He is amazingly talented, creative guy. He sees what others don't see, problems. He can solve those problems, and he comes up with new devices. And even as we speak, he is trying to market a new device that he has invented. But as talented as Ralph is, he invents using material that already exists. Yes? He doesn't invent or create from nothing. There is not one inventor on the planet Earth ever who invented something out of nothing. Only God, Elohim, makes something out of nothing. And here at the very beginning, he purposely connects his name to this creative activity. Why? To convey to us the supremacy of his strength and his power. There is no one like me. I have no equal. There is no one who comes even distant second behind me. I am the one and only creator God. Elohim. If we reflect even for a moment on God's act of creating from nothing all that exists, then it only stands to reason that the whole of our life is, in fact, a spiritual journey. If everything comes from God, and we come from God, and God is a spiritual being, then our life journey is a spiritual journey because he is spiritual and we come from him. Creation, right this moment, is preaching sermons about God. 24-7, 365. Do you know this is true, yes? Yeah. He even invites science to study his creation in order to learn more about him. There's a couple of verses tucked into the book of Job that I had not really discovered before in this kind of way until I was making preparations for our time. Job chapter 12. Look at these verses. Amazing. Verses 7 to 10. But as ask the beast, ask the beasts and they will teach you the birds of the heavens and they will tell you. Or the bushes of the earth, and they will teach you. And the fish of the sea will declare to you, Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. Is our God a powerful God? How is he telling us that? He's telling us that at the very least through his creation, isn't he? Elohim created and that tells us wow he is powerful so ours is a spiritual journey you know evolution holds that no one plus nothing 
equals everything. Do you ever think about that? That is evolution in, in a summary sentence. No one plus nothing equals everything. You know, even a small child's going to say, huh? Right? <laughs> right? Sure. Evolution is a lie from the father of lies, is it not? And it is designed to ultimately try to get rid of Elohim. But watches have watchmakers, paintings have painters, designs have designers, and creation has a creator. Amen. And his name is Elohim. In 1997, NASA put the Hubble telescope into orbit to give us a look through its powerful lens into places that we had never seen before. One of the most breathtaking and amazing, memorable pictures that has come from the tens of thousands of pictures that the Hubble has taken is the one that you see on the screen. The astronomers, to take this picture, they pointed the Hubble uh, at the darkest, uh, most starless spot in the sky that they knew of, and they focused their lens on a piece of the blackness that would be the size of a postage stamp held at arm's length. So, so imagine yourself outside, you hold up a postage stamp, uh, at the night sky, and that is the amount of sky that the Hubble was was focused on, and it took this picture. A staggering number of galaxies were revealed in the darkest part of the night sky. Every pinprick of light that you see on the monitor, that's not a star. It's a galaxy. It's a galaxy. And based on this photo, astronomers have estimated that there are between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies. And that each of these galaxies has about 100 billion stars in it. Our tiny little Earth is in one of the tiny galaxies in this, in this vast thing called the universe, which God made. We aren't quite the center of the universe, right, that we thought we once were. Psalm 19, verse 1, can we read it aloud together? The heavens declare the glory of God, Elohim, Elohim, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Amen. Every time we step out our door and look up, this is what's going on. And all God... All that Elohim did was say something. He merely spoke, and these worlds were formed. What do you suppose would have happened if he had shouted? <laughs> Man. Before God reveals anything else about himself, and there is so much that he wants to reveal, he chooses to introduce himself to us as Elohim, the incomparably great strong, powerful, creator God who has no equal. That's what he wants us to know first. And this picture just kind of gives us a little tiny taste of what kind of power we're talking about with just a word. And his logic in starting here with us in Genesis 1-1 in this way is flawless, just exactly as we would expect it would be. 
Because just by revealing to us this one name, Elohim, there are many other aspects, many other dimensions of his person that we can conclude just from this one name, the strong creator God. I've sought to list just a few of these other dimensions, these other characteristics of God. It's hardly an exhaustive list there on your little note page, but, but it'll make the point for us this morning. So take a look at this with me. For example, if Elohim is my strong and powerful creator God, then I know for sure he is transcendent. Now that's a big word. It simply means he is infinitely more than his creation. He is distinct from his creation. He transcends his creation. He's not somehow, as some religions claim, folded into his creation. He made it. He created it. He's not the creation that he made. He transcends that. He's not the trees. He's not the rivers. He's not the butterflies like some religions would want us to believe that he is. He is outside of and other and above all of that. He transcends that. Like that Job 12 passage a moment ago, creation invites us to take a look, to be in awe, and then to conclude that there has to be someone who did this who is infinitely more than this, a transcendent being, and his name is Elohim. And on your page, since God is our strong and powerful creator, that means he must be outside of time. He transcends time. He's not bound to or constrained by time. When we read, in the beginning God created, we realize that Elohim created the beginning. He created time. If he created time, then he must be what? Before time. He must be timeless. And if he created that, everything that exists, well, it's in time, but he's not in time. He's not bound by time. Time didn't exist before he made it, so he is outside of it. The only things that we're aware of that are outside of time are in eternity, right? We deduce rightly from his name, Elohim, the God who created at the beginning, we deduce that God is not limited by time. He lives in eternity. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are what? You are God. You are Elohim. This is who our God is. He transcends. He's outside of time. And we can also conclude, not confined by what exists in the world of matter and physical creation. God predates creation. So he transcends not only time, but he transcends space. He transcends matter. The material realm of the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1.1. We're unable to enter into anything beyond the heavens and the earth. That's, that's the space that we live in. That's where we're confined to that, but not God. He exists when nothing existed. We rightly conclude that he exists in another dimension that isn't tethered to time or to space or to matter in the way that you and I are. 
And yet there is for God a delicate balance because not, while limited, uh, not limited to our world or to space, he does not hesitate to enter into it whenever he wants to. Check out these words from Elohim in Jeremiah 23. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in the secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So our Elohim is transcendent, but he's also imminent. That means he's also near. Jeremiah could have said, Elohim, you are here, there, and everywhere. You are omnipresent. We can also conclude that from the fact that Elohim is our strong creator that he's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. In fact, we order our whole existence around the order that he creates. Time, seasons, sunrises, sunsets, the laws of gravity. God's laws are what we count on. We depend on those every moment of the day, every moment of our life. There would be no science without God's order. Mathematics. Who came up with mathematics? Two plus two is four. Who came up with that? Elohim. The subatomic particles that, that make up an atom that form then into molecules and then the molecules adhere to one another to, to make an object. Who came up with that? Who came up with that kind of order? It's not a product of the Big Bang. It's a product of the big Elohim, right? And with order, we deduce that this creator God named Elohim must be infinitely intelligent. God will say through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, My thoughts aren't your thoughts, nor neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. I couldn't think as small as you if I wanted to. <laughs> Another way to say this is that no matter how much we know, there will always be more to know because we will never outknow God. We will never outknow Elohim. Elohim, our strong creator, God of order, but also a God of detail. Jesus says that God knows the number of hairs on your head right this minute. He knows every time a sparrow falls to the ground. He knows. You take a microscope and you go down, 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 down as small as you want to go and there God is in the midst of those details. You go out with the Hubble all the way, all the way out to those 200 billion galaxies that are out there and a God of order is there. There is a beautiful dance. Astronomers can, can set the most precise atomic clock by the dance of the heavens. Detail. Unimaginable beauty. And speaking of unimaginable beauty, just from knowing God as Elohim, our strong creator, we know that he's not cheap. He's extravagant. What do we mean by that? Well, when he created, he could have made just three stars. Right? Couldn't he? I mean, he could have. We would look out. We'd step outside here in Idlewild at night. We'd look up and say, wow. Three stars. 
We could do that. If it could be like that, we wouldn't know the difference. But what does God do? We step out and we look up in the sky and we see what? With that, with that, that Hubble picture, we see billions, trillions of stars. Is that not an extravagant God? That's not a cheap God. He could have made the whole world in monochrome. Did you ever think about that? Black and white? But what does he do? Color. Oh, layers and layers and layers of color on top of color. Monitor manufacturers, they boast that they can render 16 million colors. Why can they boast that? Because Elohim is extravagant, right? Or how about flavors? Everything could taste like Brussels sprouts today. <laughs> Do you ever think about that? <laughs> oh, man, I can't imagine that. Brussels sprout ice cream, uh, steak, you know, prime rib that tastes like Brussels sprouts, gummy bears tasting like Brussels sprouts. All the flavors. What is that? That's an extravagant God. That's an extravagant creator God. Zebras. No two are alike. Fingerprints. There's there's no no two fingerprints that are the same. And you and me, there has never been and never will be again another person just like you. What what is that? That is an extravagant creator God. And then we can also deduce that this one who has created is also sustaining what he has made. He made it and he keeps it going. He's not just kind of a, a grand watchmaker who, who built a watch and then he wound it up and said, good luck, I hope it works for you. He's actively holding it all together this very minute. Now, how do we know that? Well, in the New Testament, there's a couple of verses tucked away there that are, are worth looking at. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. How do they read? It's talking about Jesus, who is God. Says Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that is, first in rank. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. That's Genesis 1 1. But then comes this line, verse 17. And he is before all things, and what? In him all things hold together. He sustains it. Just from this first introduction by God to us in the opening verse of the Bible, we can conclude that our Elohim is transcendent. He is timeless. He is omnipresent. He is ordered. He is detailed. He is intelligent. He is extravagant. And He is in control. Amen? Not bad for one verse start. But then we learn something else about this amazing name of God. We learn that Elohim, there on your note page, is a plural name. It's plural. This Hebrew name is not singular, like like your name or my name. My name is not Tim's, right? My name is Tim. It's singular because I am one person. But the word Elohim is actually the plural form of the Hebrew singular words uh, for God, El or Eloah. And so Elohim would normally be translated God's, plural, 
But in this case, with regards to our God, it's not that way at all. In fact, plural, this, this plural name always refers to God in the scriptures. Elohim is always God with a capital G-O-D. Never singular, always plural. Now, there are some scholars who believe that by adding that I am at the end of Eloah, making it Elohim, that was nothing more than really a literary device used in Genesis 1-1 to, 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 to stress intensity, to, to, in, to stress greatness. This God who creates is infinitely more God than, than any other entity that would want to try to pass for God. Elohim is more than all other gods with a small g put together. He is God of gods. And that that's what's being conveyed by the I am at the end of Eloah. Now, none of us would have any problem with agreeing with that statement, right? He is the God of all gods, right? But many other scholars see a lot more than that. They see a deliberate declaration by this plural name, a deliberate declaration of what great truth? The Trinity. The Trinity, right? Yeah. Elohim, when referring to our God, is a plural word by construction, but it is singular word by usage, revealing accurately the unique makeup of our God, who is a plural being, who also exists as one. As one. Now, because we live in the age of having our hands uh, on a Bible that is both an Old Testament and a New Testament, we may not be at all surprised to learn that God's name here is plural. In fact, we would expect it because we know the truth about the Trinity, right? We know about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we say, well, that's that's not a surprise. That's exactly what I would expect, Elohim. The one God who exists in three persons, the Trinity. How blessed you and I are, brothers and sisters, to live in a time when we're not surprised by the plural Elohim. However, this has not always been the way for people from the beginning. The Trinity is a concept that the Holy Spirit rolled out over a long period of time. We just happen to be in the right place at the right time. It won't take full form until we get the New Testament. But how cool, brothers and sisters, how cool that from the very beginning, from the very first verse of the Bible, the Holy Spirit is giving us literally here in Genesis 1-1 the name that will include not only the fact that he is a one God, but he is in three persons. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Elohim. And we don't even get out of Genesis 1 before this truth of a three-in-one God is, is further hinted at. As God is about to make mankind the pinnacle of his creative expression, look what he says in Genesis 1, 26, 27. Then God, Elohim, said, let, what's the next word? Let us, plural, make man in our image after our likeness, all of that plural, plural pronouns. So God created man in his singular own image, in the image of God, he 
created him, male and female, he created them singular. So either Genesis 1, 26 and 27 are really bad grammar, mixing up the pronouns here, or they are conveying what? That he is Elohim. One God in three persons. Our God is not only transcendent, God of all gods. He is the three-in-one God who will be father to us from heaven. He will be savior for us in Jesus, and he will be counselor and seal in us by his spirit. Elohim, God's first revealed name, paves the way into the Trinity. It's an awesome thought. Our infinitely more, infinitely other, three-in-one, so strong, so powerful God, that's captured in this name. And in truth, that's the main takeaway, brothers and sisters. You see it there at the bottom of your note page. The thing we want to take away from this name this morning is that our God is a powerful, powerful God. He is the creator God. It is God's name as our strong, powerful, infinitely more, infinitely other creator God that, 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 that gives us great confidence as we go forward in relationship with him. Deuteronomy 10.17. How does it read? Can we read this aloud together right off the screen? For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God. What name do we want to take away from? What, what, what meaning do we want to take away from this name, Elohim? Powerful. So, so powerful. Do we ever find ourselves doubting God's ability to take on the stuff in our lives? Does that ever happen? <laughs> that happens in my life. Does that happen in your life? I'm not sure, God, you're really, you're really big enough to take on the stuff in my life, my relationships, my marriage, my parenting, my work my health, or whatever else it is. Are you really big enough for that? Do we doubt what he could do? I wonder what he thinks having given us Elohim to know him by. This name that is so packed with power, creation power, transcendent, infinitely more power. I wonder what it, what it feels like for him when we say, mm, not sure... Let me give you an example of this. When an angel came to a young teenage girl in Nazareth and said that she would bear a child, though she was a virgin, and this child would be the Son of God, this young girl wondered how in the world could that ever happen? Remember that? It was Mary. That was her words when the angel Gabriel visited her and said, you are going to be blessed. You are going to be the mother through whom God will bring the Son of God, the Lord Jesus. This defies everything that Mary knows. All the rules. There's no precedent for this. How in the world could that ever happen? Luke chapter 1, verses 37 and 38. And the angel said to Mary, For nothing will be impossible 
with who? With Elohim. With Elohim. How interesting, but not surprising, that Gabriel would use this name. Of all the names, this is the name. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You're Elohim. (laughs) You're outside of time, space. You're the creator. You bring nothing. You You bring everything out of nothing. You're infinitely creative. You're intelligent. You are supreme. You are so, so powerful. You can do this. I don't know how, but you can. Brothers, sisters, whatever situation that you're facing today or whatever challenge you're trying to overcome, your responsibility today is to simply remember this name. That's all God asks you to do. He's not asking you to fix the problem. He's not asking you to come up with a solution. Just remember this name. Call on this name. Your strong, powerful, infinitely more, infinitely other creator God doesn't need raw material to work with as he addresses the issues in your life. He doesn't need logic. He doesn't need tangible solutions that you would supply him with in order to accomplish his purposes. All he needs is himself, and all you need to do is trust him because he is Elohim. Too often we get hung up trying to to figure out the answer to our problems. And so rather than trying to visualize how God is going to straighten out this situation, work this relationship, tweak through this trial, fix my failure, simply remember the name Elohim. That's all you have to do. Elohim can create a universe out of nothing. I am quite certain he can take care of you. Do we really think that we're going to bring him something that will cause him to break out in a cold sweat? Do we really think that? Do we, do we really think that we're going to bring something to him that's going to cause him to wring his hands and say, oh, man, what are we going to do now? Oh, it's just not going to happen. It can't happen. It has never happened, and it's never going to happen. Not with our God. Because his name is what? It is Elohim. My strong, powerful, infinitely other creator God. On the back side of your page, here's a prayer that that I can pray any time that I want to. Elohim, you are my creator strong, powerful, infinitely more God, I trust you and I give you, and then you fill in the blank. It looks impossible to me, but nothing is impossible for you. Amen? Amen. Tuck that one away. And let's not forget the name. Let's pray. Father, how good you are. How good you are. How great you are. How powerful you are. For just a couple of moments, let us as a church family respond to these truths that you have you have poured out upon us here in this time from Genesis 1.1. Let us respond to your great name. Let us sing as a praise to you, our acknowledgement of you as our Elohim. Amen and amen.